Thank you, team. Thank you, Ben, our new worship intern. So good to have you here serving. And uh, thank you for all of you that uh, participate each week. Today is, is a special day. We have invited um, just uh, uh, a man I've known for 20 years, Lindsay Taylor, to come and to preach. Lindsay was scheduled in 2019 to come on Mother's Day to preach. Obviously, he didn't because he couldn't leave New Brunswick. They kind of they tied up. They locked him down there imprisoned in the in the east coast <laughs> but uh, anyway he was free he's got kids out here in west Can western canada and so it was able to work out that he could come and, and minister to us his ministry is about prayer he's going to talk about that but we want to become and to grow into a praying church and i'm like Lindsay, could you come and just speak and encourage us in this way and so this is hopefully the beginning of a of an annual thing where Lindsay could come and just encourage us we do have a prayer time in between the services from 1025 to 1040, so you're all welcome to join us. We usually meet right about here, and so anyone is welcome to come and, and participate. We want to just become a praying church and make that a, a, just an important part of who we are. So would you just welcome Lindsay Taylor as he comes and shares a word with us this morning. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor Mike. Good to be with you and to see you. Some of you were here last night. We had a great season of prayer for a little over an hour. Uh, so it is good to be with you this morning. And so I, I do come from the Republic of New Brunswick. Uh, that was locked down tighter than you could possibly imagine uh, through COVID. I came home from the 11th province of our great nation, the state of Florida, uh, in March of 2020 with a full schedule uh, to a week later having nothing for two years, uh, where I sat at the beach, which is not a bad place to sit, uh, except for in the winter. Uh, but um, we're glad to be here and share with you a little bit. Strategic Renewal Canada was a burden of mine that the Lord gave me to start. Uh, so I retired after pastoring for 37, 38 years and started Strategic Renewal Canada, which exists to ignite the heart of the church to seek the face of God by coaching its leaders. So I really try to invest my time in the life of church leaders and church leadership. And how do we become a house of prayer? That's what we're told to be in the scriptures. My house shall be called a house of prayer. Nowhere does it say my house shall be called a house of preaching or discipleship or fellowship or potluck dinners or any of those things. It says we're to be a house of prayer and we are to learn to seek the face of God. And yet most of the time we don't pray. If we do pray, it's out of a crisis, and we treat God like he's a cosmic Santa Claus and ask him to give us things without ever spending time worshiping him and adoring him and looking at him. Uh, and so that's what we've tried to do now in this part of my life and ministry. And so through it, as a pastor, every church I pastored was in trouble, in debt, needed to turn around, needed to build, needed a vision, all of those kinds of things. I used to plead with God, could you just take me to a healthy church once? Just once, uh, but he never saw fit to do that. They were all healthy when I left. Uh, you know, praise the Lord for that. Uh, but God is good. And so when I accepted the challenge that he gave to me to start this ministry, my wife and I sold everything we had pretty well and moved back to the Maritimes, where we're both from. And so we live in what was my family cottage. I bought it from my mom a number of years ago to help her out in the last few years of her life. Uh, and so that's where we live, and it wasn't designed to live in year-round, and so we thought, well, we'll live there for seven months, and we'll 
go to Florida for five months, and that's you know just how we'll do things. Uh, and so God has been very good to us, and we're grateful. On the table in the lobby, you'll see a little card like this. It just says Strategic Renewal Canada. On the back, you can put your name, your address, your phone number if you want to, but your email. If you'd like to sign up for my email blast, I send out about six to eight of those a year. That's all, because most of us get more email now than we want to get. Uh, and so my friends south of the border, Strategic Renewal International, like sometimes I get four a day from them. Well, you know what happens when you get four a day from the same person? You don't even read it. Uh, and so I figure if I send six or eight a year, maybe people will actually read the thing. Uh, and so that's just a little update of what God is doing in Canada, some of the projects that we have. So right now, for example, we're trying to raise $100,000 uh, so that we can give every senior pastor in Canada in an evangelical church, an invitation. We want to give them a book called Transforming Prayer. And we want to give them an invitation to come to coaching that we will subsidize their price tag for. We already do it less and cheaper than uh, just about coaching anywhere else. Uh, and we do that online and then just to let them know what some of the ministries that we offer. So we do a number of training and coaching events for churches that are live and then we do other things that are all on Zoom. So that's enough of the shameless advertisement. Uh, strategicrenewal.ca, if you want to look us up, uh, that's our website. Strategicrenewal.com is our U.S. partners. A uh, dear friend of mine, Daniel Henderson, started that ministry a number of years ago. And together we've been able to do a lot of ministry in different parts of the world. And so we're grateful for the goodness and the greatness of God. Second, it is Mother's Day. So again, happy Mother's Day. Uh, I wish my Dear wife, happy Mother's Day on Facebook early this morning. Uh, and my daughter, who lives in Red Deer, Alberta, my daughter-in-law, who is in Spruce Grove. Uh, and so I flew in Friday night, spent a few hours with my two youngest grandchildren. Uh, they're going to be six and three, two little boys. Uh, and then spent time with them Saturday morning, got over here. Today after church, I'll drive to Red Deer and cook supper for my daughter for Mother's Day. Uh, and my two older grandchildren, I'll spend time with them. My only granddaughter that my wife says, you know, she's got you wrapped around her finger. I said, and your point is? I mean, isn't that what granddaughters are for? You know? Uh, so everybody else is out of the will. She gets it all. And uh, she's just special. Uh, but I want to share with you this morning from the Word of God. That's why we're here. We're here to worship. We're not here for advertisements. We're not here for any of those other things. But we are here about kingdom and kingdom impact. And how do we live life for the kingdom? So if you have your copy of the Scriptures, would you turn with me to John chapter 15? John chapter 15, a very familiar passage of Scripture. We're going to pick the narrative up in verse 7 and read just a few verses. And in these few verses, we're going to see six different statements that are key if we're going to live our life for kingdom impact. And the fact that you are here says that God has a purpose for you. Now, you may be here and you're struggling with your faith. You may be here today simply because it's Mother's Day and you promised your mother you'd come. I don't care what the reason is you're here. I'm just thrilled you're here. And thrilled that God wants to do something in your life and in my life as we worship him together this morning. But Jesus is speaking, and he starts in verse 7 when he says, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples." As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. 
If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Let's pray together once again. Father, thank you for the privilege that is ours to come and look into your word. And we pray now that your Holy Spirit, who is the great teacher, would instruct us, challenge us, convict us, draw us close, do whatever you want to do in our lives in this moment in time for your glory. And we will be grateful for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Kingdom impact. I've never met anybody who wanted to live life and not accomplish something. I've never met an athlete who said, I am working hard, I am practicing, I'm doing all of these things so that I can come in last. We practice to win. We practice to come in first place. I am absolutely convinced, whoever came up with the slogan that it doesn't matter if you win or lose, it's how you played the game, was a loser. That's why they came up with that slogan, because it does matter. And God wants us to run in such a way as we have impact for his kingdom. Now, my wife used to get upset with me when our children were small, saying, Lindsay, you need to let them win. No, I don't. They might as well learn young that life is difficult. The problem is now we have a whole generation of adults who've never been allowed to lose. They don't know what it's like to be disappointed. They've never failed a class at school. They got an award for showing up. When I was a kid, you got an award if you won. You didn't get an award for showing up. You might have got a pat on the head. And so we treat the kingdom of God that way now and just meander through life. I am absolutely convinced, based on the Word of God, that any church that's in a community that is relatively healthy and has people in it should be a growing church, healthy, vibrant, because it's focused on the kingdom and not on what we want. See, one of our greatest problems is we come to church for what we want. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings intentionally, but it doesn't really matter what you want. It only matters what God wants. And God wants his church to be a house of prayer. God wants his church to be filled with people who love him and love lost people. Because the only thing we, and I said this last night, the only thing that we get to do here that we don't get to do in heaven is win lost people. And the whole seeker-friendly movement didn't really help us in a lot of ways because it compromised the church on doctrine, on preaching and prayer. I want to be friendly to the seeker, but I don't want their need to drive who we are. Our, our goal, our vision, our dream is that God would be glorified and lifted up. And so look what Jesus says to us. If you abide in me. Well, so what does it mean to abide in Christ? Well, first, to abide in him, it means you have to know him. You have had to enter into a relationship with, with Jesus Christ, to know that he is the sinless son of God, that he came from heaven, born of the Virgin Mary, lived his life sinless, absolutely perfect, fully God, fully man at the same time. We'll never wrap our heads around that, so let's just acknowledge it. You know, we can understand it to a degree, but not fully. 
fully God, fully man, lived a sinless, perfect life, went to a cross to die for you and for me, paid the price for a sin he did not commit, rose victoriously from the grave, was seen by hundreds of people, ascended to the throne where now he sits at the right hand of God the Father to intercede for you and for me, where he invites you and he invites me into relationship with him to his Father so that we can become the very children of God. To do that, it means we have to confess our sin to him, repent, walk in a brand new direction, follow after him, and say, not my will be done, but your will be done. You take over my life. It means my life would be Christ-centered. That's what it means. It means I'll be so focused on him, I want him to be pleased with every part of my life. So Christ-centered. Now, Sometimes that becomes a big word that confuses, but let me make it really simple for you. This summer, my wife and I will celebrate 43 years of marriage. She deserves the applause more than me, but thank you. I remember the night we met. I remember where we were, what she was wearing, the events of that entire evening. I could tell you now if we had the time, but it would take us right into the next service. And you came early so you could beat everybody else to the restaurant for lunch. Uh, you know, so I remember that. And when we were leaving that event, I was there to sing uh, at the church that she attended, and it was a special night. And I remember leaving there. I was with some young people from my church and with an elderly man from my home church. And I, he knew her family, so I was asking him questions about her family because I wanted to find out if her family was good enough to associate with my family. Uh, and so I, I wanted to, because I was going to ask her out on a date. And I've never met a young man who asked a girl out on a date that didn't do his homework first because no one asks a girl out wanting her to say no. You ask her out on the first date expecting her to say yes, and you're hoping for a second. I remember, a, see, I wanted to know what was her favorite color, what was her favorite flower, what was her favorite food? What were the things that I could do on date number one that was gonna mean it was a home run? It was a win. She'd say yes to date number two. That's what Christ-centered is. In really simple terms, what's Jesus' favorite color? What's his favorite food? What's his favorite flower? What are the things that we surrender to him that just bring him joy? If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. So it's, it's, it's an abiding life, but then it's, it's, a, it's a Bible-anchored life. We need to know the Word of God. We need to be students of the Word of God. Again, your opinion and my opinion doesn't really matter. If we wanted to talk about politics, <clears throat> excuse me, for a few minutes, and COVID for the next few weeks, we all have opinions on that. The Bible gives me the privilege of having one opinion when it comes to my government. Pray for them. He's told me to pray. Nowhere does the Scripture give me permission to publicly criticize my government, whether I like them or not, personal opinion, irrelevant. Only opinion that counts is God's opinion. So what does His Word say? And I am convinced that His Word addresses all of the issues of our life. You want to know how to manage your money? You find about it here. You want to find about investment for the future? You find about it in here. You want to find about how to invest in the kingdom? You find about it in here. 
You want to find about relationships and how you should honor mothers and fathers and young people and children? You find it in here. God's Word addresses all the key issues of our life. And so we need to be students of it. What does God have to say on any given topic? So when the storms of life come, His Word anchors us. My oldest daughter serves as a missionary in Chile. And three weeks ago, her and two members of her team and two of their key volunteers and two of their clients were held up at gunpoint, robbed, their cell phones, computers, jewelry, cash, gone. People started calling me uh, from different places and wanted to know first how my daughter was doing, but second, how, how are you and Kathy doing? And I sounded a little cold, to be honest with you. I said, Kathy and I are doing just fine. See, we knew when God called her to serve on a foreign field that this is what life could be like. And you either trust God with your children or you don't. And if God's plan is to take her home while she's on the foreign field, then who am I to complain or criticize that? See, the safest place to be is where God wants you to be. We spend so much time praying for safety when it doesn't matter if this old body's safe or not, as long as I'm doing what God's called me to do. And so it's the Word of God, the sovereignty of God, the providence of God that I find in the Scriptures that lets me live with that confidence. So if you abide Christ-centered in me, in my words, that grow and percolate in our lives because we're students of it. We just love the Scripture so much. Thank you so much. Uh, I promise you, I don't have COVID, uh, but I do have something stuck in my throat. I'm going to knock that off, I can guarantee you. So if you want to be sprinkled before Father's Day, come on up. Uh, So thank you for the water. Uh, And so abide, the word is the anchor for my soul. And then it says, ask whatever you wish. So the life that makes kingdom impact is a praying life. It's It's a life that's focused on prayer. Now, if I look at this text, you can discover really quickly, if you just take a quick look, why all the false teachers on the television tell you to ask for anything and God will do it. Well, if that were really true, Would there be anybody in here that's poor? I mean, we don't ask God for millions. Lord, make me rich so I could travel the world sharing the gospel. Sounds like a noble prayer. That's not what the text says. It says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. There's the key. If I'm living for Jesus, I'm fully surrendered to him, I'm a student of his word, I now understand that I will ask for nothing that's contrary to his word. And so if I'm filled with his presence, I'm saturated in his word, I'm going to ask God for the things that are already in here. And he's bound to do it because he's already promised it to me. He's already promised it to me. And so we need to be a praying people. Now, one of the things I shared last night, and I, I'm going to challenge you this, uh, you know, and maybe Pastor Michael will have me back to do a whole seminar for you uh, on a Friday, Saturday type of a deal, but 
I'm going to challenge you. Find anywhere in the New Testament where prayer is private all by yourself. You can't find it. It doesn't exist. Everywhere in the New Testament, prayer is corporate. It's us together praying together. If you're a lover of the King James Version, which I am, much of my quoting still comes from that because that's what I memorized as a kid. Uh, you know, we're told to go into our closet and pray. So God really wants you to hang out with your dress clothes. No, see, the closet is the wrong word. The Greek word there really means inner room. And in King James's day, the inner room for the king was a large meeting space where he met with his most trusted advisors and friends and counselors. So that when we, the church of Jesus Christ, go into our inner room that's here and we pray together in secret so that God will bless out there publicly. And so when you gather as a church family or you invite other churches from the community to come to pray for the city of Lloydminster that God would do something radical and amazing here, it's so that you're praying in secret and he'll bless it out there. And so we are to be a people of prayer. My house shall be called a house of prayer. So I say all across our nation, if you skip the prayer meeting at your church, you're violating God's word for your life. So we want to make kingdom impact. We need to be a praying people. So if you abide in me, Christ-centered, and my words abide in you, we're going to be anchored by the word of God, Ask whatever you want. It'll be done for you. We're going to be a praying people. And then he goes on and says this. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. We are to be a fruit-bearing people. Fruit. Well, what's the fruit of a follower of Christ? Well, we could argue that it's the manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit that nine-piece fruit that the Holy Spirit does in your life and in my life, that's certainly part of it as we look at this text and its context. And that's the Spirit of God to produce love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, long-suffering, meekness, and those qualities in you and through and in us. But it's also true that a fruit-bearing individual is faithful in sharing the gospel. Now, we cannot save anybody's soul. Only God can do that. But he wants to use you and me in sharing the good news so that people can trust him. The only reason you're still here is to win people to Jesus. And so we need to cultivate relationships with unsaved people who their very lifestyle often rubs us the wrong way. The things they say, I mean, I say to Pastor, I didn't say this, I almost got it. Uh, I, I didn't say this to Pastor Mike, but I've said this to pastors all across the country. If you haven't had someone swear at you lately, and I don't mean one of your deacons, you know, I mean, then you're not hanging out with the right people. I mean, we need to hang out with lost people. Uh, and so I have my heathen buddies, I call them. Uh, and so I've got, I've got this wonderful group of friends. Uh, they don't know the Lord. They, they drink way too much beer. They use language that they shouldn't use. Uh, but, you know, I, I get to go and share with them. Uh, I get to invite them to come to church when I'm visiting a city that they live in. Uh, they've invited me uh, to stay in their homes at uh, different times. Uh, you know, why? Well, not just so can I have friends. I mean, I like people most of the time. But it's so I can win them for Christ. My wife and I have three adult children now and four grandchildren. 
But let me tell you, some of the, the most special memories of my life, when my wife gave birth to our first child, uh, well, all three of our children, but I remember the first one specifically uh, and all about it. I mean, I mean, we raced to the hospital. We live 45 miles away from the hospital. Uh, for you younger people, that's like almost 80 kilometers. Um, and so we get to the hospital. There's 12 hours of labor and delivery. I mean, it's hard. It's intense. And, you know, they had the little fetal monitor thing. That To me, that was exciting. My wife's trying to sleep. I'd wake her up saying, another contraction's coming, honey. You know, uh, like, could you leave was her response. Uh, you know, it was awesome. Uh, you know, labor and delivery didn't bother me a bit. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, but... You know, finally that precious little baby comes out and, you know, whoever says that that moment is beautiful is lying to you because there's nothing pretty about that thing. I mean, here's this baby covered with goo. You know? I mean, slimy and ugly. And, but what do you do? You grab a hold of that thing and you hold it and you hug it and you kiss it because it's yours. And you were there. And that doesn't even come close to the comparison of being the spiritual intern, the delivery of a new soul into the kingdom of God. By this, our Father is glorified that we bear, what's it say? Much fruit. Are you winning people to Jesus today? That's a kingdom impact. We've got to move along quickly. As the Father, verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. We need to be a love-motivated people. Love. Now, we've lost the ability to love in these days. We're angry and critical and divided and upset with people who have different viewpoints. And, you know, you voted this way and I voted that way and you think this. And I, get over it. We choose to love people with the love of Christ. When I was a child, I, I lived with my grandparents off and on. I, my dad was in the Navy, so we moved a lot. And my grandmother was really more of a mother to me in my younger years, and my grandfather a father to me. I really didn't know my dad until I was a teenager when he got out of the military. But I ran away successfully the first time when I was five years old to go and live with my grandparents. Uh, and so I lived with them. I was an original homeschooler. My grandmother taught me school at the kitchen table for three months. Uh, and all of those kinds of things. And my grandmother would say to me, Lindsay, would you take this, whatever she made, it might have been homemade bread or some pickles or something, across the street to dear old Mrs. McFarland. Uh, Mrs. McFarland was an elderly widow, had no family around. And so I would cross the street and take things to Mrs. McFarland. I'll never forget Mrs. McFarland. And people in the community would think, isn't he a good boy? You know, he takes the things over to dear old Mrs. McFarland and he spends time with her. Here's what nobody knew. Mrs. McFarland had the biggest box of chocolates I'd ever seen in my life. And she'd open that up and say, Lindsay, help yourself. Any boy in his right mind will spend time with an old lady with chocolate. I mean, that's motivation. Now, here's the reality of it. We're not a lot different as adults. But our motivation needs to be a love. I didn't love Mrs. McFarland. I loved chocolate. I still love chocolate. But how about loving people the way God wants us to? When Jesus looked at the lost and, saw, and wept and saw them as sheep without a shepherd, when you see that person who 
does whatever that hideous sin is that you can't stand, instead of being angry or frustrated, how about learning to love them the way Jesus does? I remember going to an event one day and I saw a young lady. She was a pretty young lady, but she had a shirt that was cut way too low and a skirt that was way too short. And she had a gold-plated diaper pin that went through her nose, that went to a chain, that went to her ear. And most people sort of gave her a wide berth as they went around her. And God instantly convicted me that she desperately needs someone to love her and to love her with the love of Christ. And so we're, to use the cliche, to hate the sin but love the sinner, unfortunately, we've come to the place where we hate both. And if we want to make a kingdom impact, we need to learn to love people. To love people that are different. and ob- It's easy to love people who are like us, who like the same things. But to love those people that are opposite of us is a little bit like trying to cuddle up to a porcupine. But someone's got to do it. And so people are shocked when they discover some of my friends. Like, you know people in the LGBTQ community? Yeah. Now, my job to change their sexual orientation, that's God's job. I've had the privilege of leading a number of homosexuals and lesbians to Christ. I never once talked about their sexual orientation. God changed it all by himself. Can you imagine God is that powerful that he can do that? Just to love people, motivated by love, abide in my love. Last point. Down at the end of verse 11, if you still have your Bibles open, these things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. We are to be a joyful people. I've often wondered in all the churches I pastored, I pastored across the country, started the Maritimes, came out here to Alberta, pastored in Fort McMurray for nine years, uh, you know, moved back to Ontario, pastored everywhere. I thought when God moved me from the east to the west, it was strategic, he was going to take me to Hawaii next, he didn't. I even said, Lord, I don't want to go to Hawaii. That didn't work either. <clears throat> you know, but I mean, it was a good thought. Uh, but, you know, back home I went. Uh, but what happens when I see people in the church parking lot laughing and talking and enjoying life, and then they walk through the church doors, and the life gets sucked right out of them? It's like they've been baptized in vinegar. Not that we're not to be somber on occasions. We are. And not that the gospel ministry isn't serious. It is. But joy, a joyful countenance to be a joyful person. Now, you need to know there is a difference between joy and happiness. Uh, C.S. Lewis said, happiness is usually in our control and joy never is. Happiness is temporary. Happiness is fleeting. A lot of things can make me happy. Last night, Pastor Mike and I went over dinner uh, together. I got happy real quick. The special was prime rib. Oh, prime rib, medium, baked potato, a little sour cream. To tell my wife I'm healthy, I had some vegetables and a tossed salad. That's happiness. But it didn't mean I didn't want breakfast this morning. It's short term. Joy is something that God gives us when we walk through the darkest of valleys. See, the last day of November 2018, 
I'd spent the last week and a half sitting in a palliative care room with my mother. It was difficult. It was long. See, 20 years earlier, I had done that with my dad. My mom took her last breath on the very last word of the last refrain of how great thou art as we had the hymns playing. There was nothing happy about that moment. But there was joy because she went from the land of the dying to the land of the living. She entered into the very presence in such a special way of God himself. And the lifetime battle of five different types of cancer were finally beaten. I stood at her funeral, led the congregational singing. There was no happiness, but there was joy. Because joy is what God gives to us when we walk with him and we're in the very center of his will. So if we want to make a kingdom impact, if you want to make a kingdom impact, if New Life Community Church wants to have community and kingdom impact, we need to look at these six simple little statements. They're keys to abide, walk in the Spirit, His Word, to be anchored. What does God's Word say? To be a praying people, ask, and it'll be done. To be a fruit-bearing person, to see people come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, not just as a spiritual notch on the belt, but then to disciple them so that they become a fully devoted follower and a reproducing follower of Jesus. To love God and to love people the way God does. To be a loving person and then to be joyful. That will change our world. We live in a post-Christian culture. We've lost much of the influence the church had 50 years ago in this great nation. And I really don't care much, honestly, about how much influence we have or don't have in our communities when it comes to politics. But I do care how much influence we have in our communities when it comes to the kingdom. Are we known as a people who love God and love people? Let's make a kingdom impact for his glory, not for ours. Let's see what God can do with a group of people surrendered and sold out for the kingdom. Let's pray together. And as we close with a word of prayer, if you're here and you would say, you know, Lindsay, I've, I've never trusted Jesus to be my personal savior, but I know that I need to. You talked about that earlier in the message about abiding. And you'd like to know him today. Why don't you just put your hand up and put it down real quick? Just put it up and put it down real quick. But let me ask you this as we close and the worship team comes and
I'm going to get Pastor Mike in a moment to come. You may be here today as a child of God, which I assume most of you are. And you would say, Lindsay, I know I've not been living my life for kingdom impact. I challenge you. Would you be courageous enough to say, I want to live my life for kingdom impact today? And by saying that, you're going to slip out of your seat as we sing and come down here to the front for a concluding prayer of commitment with Pastor Mike. Would you do that? Father, would you help us do today what only you can do in and through us? Help us to be men and women of great courage for your kingdom's sake. And we'll give you praise for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing. The Spirit of God has spoken to your heart and you need to come. Then you come and Pastor Mike will meet you right here at the front of the church. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for your word. Jesus, your word spoke to us this morning. None of us can accomplish anything without abiding in you. Today we we just anchor ourselves in you and your word. Lord, I pray that this week you would work through your people here. The schools they attend and the neighborhoods in which they live and the places they work, Lord. Shine your light through your people. I pray especially for the moms, Lord, as we close out this Mother's Day service. May they just richly root themselves deeply in Christ this week and his word. And they would sustain them and guide them. And Lord, fill us with your joy that people would just see the living Christ in us this week, that you would be glorified every step that we take, every word that we speak. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Everybody said, Amen. And if you would like to continue business, uh, Lindsay's here to pray with you. I'll stay up here and Lisa, but uh, if you'd like to otherwise, God bless you. Have a great week. Grab your gifts, moms, on their way out. Uh, have a great, great day.